You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens Wire. And as is another Purple Friday, we are back on the post-Super Bowl edition of Locked On Ravens. We haven't talked to Matthew Stevens of Ravens Wire yet about the big game. Matthew, how are you doing today? Both sad and happy at the same time. It's off-season, but it would be really nice if we uh, had a parade. Oh, yeah, and there were pictures of the Kansas City parade, and it just it just didn't look the same as when Baltimore had it. A lot more people seemed to show up for that one, so just another representation of just how good Ravens Nation is at showing up and showing out for their team. But, Matthew, I do want to start off with the Super Bowl. We haven't talked to you about it yet. What were your takeaways from that game? Well, I mean, I, I think it's just amazing at how uh, you know Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City offense can – can kind of turn it on suddenly. Um, you know, it, it really spoke to, to how we saw them uh, throughout the playoffs where, you know, they'd go down early on, they'd struggle a little bit in the big games, uh, and then suddenly would just light it up in the third and fourth quarters and and not only just pick up, you know, go, go over where they were, uh, but ultimately kind of blow out their opponent to a certain degree, uh, which is super impressive. And, and I think a, a good model for maybe where Baltimore needs to head themselves this offseason in, in the next few years. Yeah, and something I talked about on the show yesterday was just how the Ravens are going to have to construct their roster, construct their offense to be built to come from behind like the Chiefs. From your perspective, Matthew, what do you think the Ravens have to do in order to be built to come back from behind? Well, I mean, I think largely speaking, they already are. I, I think the big thing when you look at, uh, you know, even Mahomes for that matter, you, you kind of saw some of that, uh, you know, the big game is a lot. The jitters get to you as a young quarterback and, and those things wear on you early on. I think as Lamar Jackson just kind of grows a little bit as, as a person and as a player, he'll kind of shed some of those early game jitters that we saw in the playoffs and really both playoff games now that, uh, that the Ravens have lost over the last two years. And he'll be able to, to kind of just settle himself down. And, you know, we've talked about it all last season and all last off season, but when, Lamar is kind of juiced up and when he gets a little jittery, his mechanics tend to kind of fall back uh, and we see inaccurate throws. We see him making kind of poor decisions at times. Uh, Again, I saw the same thing with Mahomes, poor mechanics at times and poor decisions at times. But once he got into the zone, he became the Mahomes that we saw throughout the entire uh, regular season. And I imagine the same thing's going to happen for Lamar. So some of it's just patience. Some of it is also adding more speed, being able to uh, kind of take the top off of the defense, not only with Marquise Brown, but with maybe another guy in addition to that, having another guy or a guy who's a good possession receiver, you know, grabbing someone like an Anquan Bolden type of player who might not get a ton of separation, but you know is going to be there. So when you're under pressure, when Lamar's under pressure, he has a guy that you can pretty much guarantee you're going to throw it to and he's going to catch it regardless. As long as it's within arm's reach, he's your guy. I think Lamar and this offense kind of need that type of a guy. And for what it's worth, Willie Sneed, Seth Roberts, uh, even Mark Andrews and and Hayden Hurst haven't proven to be that guy quite yet. Uh, So I wonder if if maybe that's a a thing they're going to look at this offseason, whether it be the draft or free agency. So those are kind of my two big things 
that I think just needs to happen. And, and again, just patience more than anything else. Yeah, patience is the key. And again, you mentioned those three guys. Maybe it will come from within with Baltimore. But I do agree with you in terms of what the Ravens do need. But I think for the most part, they are already pretty much there. But Matthew, now transitioning into some big news that happened yesterday. Eric Weddle, the former Ravens safety, one of the most well-liked players throughout all of Baltimore's history in the locker room and was a great guy on the field for a few years. His play declined over the last couple of seasons in Baltimore. It was pretty noticeable, but overall a great contributor both on and off the field for the Ravens. In general, what are your thoughts on this, Matthew? Do you think he could have maybe stuck it out for another year with the Rams, or do you think this was really his time? Oh, well, I mean, I, I think the Rams certainly would have kind of welcomed him back with open arms. I believe he had off-season surgery on his knee while nothing major. You know, that that was, from what he had put on Twitter, his first surgery uh, of his 13-year career. And, you know, I've had two knee surgeries. Those suck. They suck. And when you start kind of getting to the age that Weddle is, uh, or, or myself for that matter, you know, the recovery time starts becoming a little bit longer. They suck a little bit more and you start going, all right, well, do I want to maybe start doing this every off season? Do I want to get in and, and start having little things snipped and snapped and, and put back into place? Nah, not really. You know what? So again, I think the Rams absolutely would have taken them back uh, for 2020. Um, but for Weddle, you know, I, I, 13 years is certainly enough. And when you look at the, uh, the flip side of it, again, what you'd have to go through, in terms of surgeries and just recovery and uh, training to keep you, keep your body right so you are healthy throughout the season. I, I, I can certainly uh, see Weddle just going, man, ice cream's a lot nicer. The, the ice cream for the Weddle family, there's going to be a lot more of that coming up for him. But another thing that's been speculated ever since he even left Baltimore was the fact that there was a possibility potentially of him coming back to coach with the Ravens. I mentioned that he was very well liked. Him and John Harbaugh went hand in hand, got along very well. And Eric Weddle, one of the smartest football minds. Do you see that as a realistic possibility for the Ravens? His family is on the West Coast, so that can complicate things a bit. But do you think this could happen? I, I mean, I, I, I certainly think it could. Uh, I think the big question now, like you mentioned, his family's on the West Coast. Uh, he's probably going to enjoy retirement quite a bit and, you know, getting out of football entirely uh, gives you so much more free time. And I think a lot of people don't realize what goes into playing the sport. It really is a 24, seven, 365 day type of thing where you're always preparing. You're always looking at the playbook. You're always learning. Uh, and those days are long. So, you know, after 13 years of playing this sport professionally, I, again, I can see Weddle just going, man, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to get in there and start coaching and, and extending my days even longer than what they were as a player. Uh, so I can see him enjoying his retirement life. But at the same time, I mean, the guy was uh, a mentor on the field to tons of players. He was a, a football mastermind. Uh, when you when you talk to some of his his peers and some of the guys here in Baltimore, you know, that loved Weddle he certainly seems to be kind of primed for that. I mean, I, I'd see him very much in an Ed Reed type of a role where, yeah, I mean, you, you bring him in to coach defensive backs and, and you see him maybe go ahead and develop into a you know, defensive coordinator at some point in his career. He's, he's only 35 years old, so he's got tons of time left to, to do those things. But he's also a well-spoken player who, again, understands the game really well. My guess is that uh, Fox and CBS and, and some other networks are going to start calling him up and start hitting up his agent and saying, hey, 
we can offer you maybe a little bit more money, uh, give you the flexibility of being able to stay home with your family a lot more, and uh, you still get to go ahead and be in football and enjoy yourself. So uh, my guess is Eric Weddle will have a lot of options open for him, but coaching uh, would not shock me at all if Baltimore tries to bring him into the front office or, or coaching. Yeah, I think it would be smart for the Ravens to at least reach out. There there were no hard feelings when Weddle left Baltimore on either side. I think Weddle knew his cap hit was a little bit too high, and there were even speculation, and he said that he was pretty sure he was going to retire if the Ravens released him, but he ended up changing his tune going to Los Angeles for a season. But Matthew, when you think of Eric Weddle in a Ravens uniform, what are your fondest memories of him? Man, I, I, I don't think it's a single memory that I have of Weddle. I, I think... For me, it's just kind of knowing that that a he's he's there. You've got a good guy back there. Um, you know, after Ed Reed left, there was kind of a, a huge hole at safety for Baltimore for a number of years. And when they brought in Weddle, it was like, all right, that's a guy that you know maybe doesn't necessarily have it locked down, but really knows what he's doing. That's not a position you have to worry about as a fan uh, or as an analyst in, in this instance. Uh, so that was always great. And then knowing, again, you, you effectively have a coach on the field. So those young guys are being brought up. And the way that those young guys always spoke about uh, uh, Weddle and just kind of the fun atmosphere and, and guy that Weddle was, you know, in all the press conferences, he was very jovial. He, he was a good time, always talking about uh, the ice cream and joking around and, you know, just playing around with the teammates. And, and that's that's the, the good side of football, I think, is is when you see that kind of become a family atmosphere and everyone's just having a good time. Uh, that That's, in my mind, is kind of the best of football from a team perspective. Uh, so that's kind of what I'll remember Weddle for the most, is just being a an all-around really good guy and a really good player on top of it. Yeah, and his departure from the San Diego Chargers, now the Los Angeles Chargers, was not pretty in the slightest. And I think coming over to Baltimore, he had heard about the culture. And I think that once he got to Baltimore, realized, as you mentioned, that it was really a family. He just fit right in. And that was the offseason where Weddle was let go or wasn't brought back by the Chargers. Mike Wallace was also brought in by the Ravens. Those two are guys I really wanted. And so just having them and just remembering the excitement I had and realizing that we got two good players, two players who I wanted on the Ravens for a while. That was probably my fondest memory of Eric Weddle, but you can't discount all the plays he had on the field, all the clutch plays and the clutch football IQ moments as well for him. But Matthew, finally, before we head into the break, the Ravens announcing yesterday that they re-signed Andre Smith, the tackle who is most notably known for his time with the Bengals as a first-round pick all the way a long, long time ago out of Alabama. He was re-signed to a one-year contract. What does this mean for the Ravens? Could it potentially mean that James Hurst might be a cap casualty? They could save a bit of money if they cut him. Or is it just really a depth signing, a training camp body at this point? Well, my guess is uh, it probably is just a depth thing. I mean, Andre Smith is uh, what in his like 11th year in this league, uh, has not started a 16 game season since 2012. Uh, So he's kind of been he's been a depth piece. He's been a piece that. Largely speaking, the Bengals keep getting rid of and then going, oh, wait, we don't actually have anyone to replace you. Please come back for a few games. Uh, That's kind of what you're getting at Andre Smith. So he's definitely not a starter uh, at this point in his career. He is solely a depth guy and he's probably dirt cheap. uh, Everything considered, he probably still wants to play. And that's a veteran guy you've got for Baltimore when you don't have a whole lot of experience depth 
at tackle behind Ronnie Stanley and Orlando Brown Jr. The only other guy they actually have on the roster as of right now is James Hurst at tackle uh, as a definitive tackle. Other guys are kind of guard tackles, hybrids uh, that you probably really want to push more inside than, than keep them outside. Andre Smith is a definitive tackle. So uh, in my mind, it, it's more of just a depth signing and a guy that might not even make the 53-man roster when everything's all said and done, but you give him a shot. You see if uh, he could beat out a young kid that maybe you draft or an undrafted guy that you bring in, that type of thing. But at the same time, Andre Smith, if his contract is as dirt cheap as I think, and Baltimore has a lot of confidence in Orlando Brown and uh, in Ronnie Stanley to stay healthy in 2020, that might be a good option for them to kind of get rid of Hurst's contract, uh, which if I'm correct, I think it saves them like $2.75 million dollars uh, in 2020 and 4 million in 2021. So yeah, there's a little bit of cap savings there, which is kind of nice. And if you, again, if you trust your starters to remain healthy or maybe miss a game or two, you're probably not going to lose much dumping James Hurst and, and putting Andre Smith in that role for, again, for a game or two, anything more than that, you're probably screwed, but that's, you know, that's a whole different conversation. So it, it could honestly be either one, man. Uh, that's a tough one. And, and I think we'll see, maybe in the next month, kind of what they want to do with James Hurst. But if I'm Hurst, I'm I, not guaranteed that I'm back in Baltimore. Yeah, 100% agree. It really could be either, but I think it's more of a depth signing. Hurst is a very versatile piece, can play a lot of positions on that line. And I do think that the Ravens value him. And he had a pretty good game against the New York Jets when he was asked upon to play for Ronnie Stanley, who had a concussion. So I think Hurst is, is valued by the Ravens. But we are going to head into our first break. When we get back, we're going to be talking about some more draft news and notes for Baltimore. So stay tuned for that. And we will be right back. But before we do that, we talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side of the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on. Unlock content to help you focus, ease, stress and sleep better get started at calm.com slash locked on that's calm.com slash locked on welcome back to the second segment of this purple friday locked on ravens episode kevin ostraker of ravens wire still here with matthew stevens of ravens wire and as the offseason progresses matthew there's going to be a lot of draft talk and a lot of free agency talk so i thought that we should talk about the draft again and the draft is a fun time because you can identify the roster you can kind of look at it from a 53 man perspective and see where the ravens really have needs and something that i've been seeing on a bunch of mock drafts is the ravens picking a running back which is something that Personally, I don't think the Ravens need, whether it be the Ravens picking DeAndre Swift out of Georgia in the first or second round or another, you know, a Justice Hill type back in the fourth round. I mean, they just drafted Justice Hill. Gus Edwards is an exclusive rights free agent, but I fully do expect him back in Baltimore. Do you think the Ravens would draft a running back in this upcoming 2020 draft or do you think it's just a need that's not there? Uh, it would not shock me if they draft someone in the middle rounds. You know, that's where your your best value for a running back is going to be. And it, it, you're not going to find the all-around great running back in those middle rounds. You're going to find a guy that's going to fit a role. And with Justice Hill, as you mentioned, being kind of your your speed back, your guy who's, uh, 
maybe your third down back as, as kind of a receiver. You, you need that first, second down guy, the, the, the Mark Ingram or the Gus Edwards, and you got to plan for the future. So while running back in the fourth or fifth round uh, could totally happen, those guys aren't going to start. Uh, those guys are probably not going to play uh, at all in 2020. So you're more or less going to be drafting Mark Ingram's replacement and Gus Edwards's replacement. So that way you don't have to pay them larger contracts in another year or two. You can potentially save some cap space that way with a rookie uh, or a stable of, of young guys on rookie contracts. That would be my guess. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I keep saying a lot of mock drafts that have Baltimore going running back in the first or second round. And honestly, I don't think that needs there. I mean, they've got Mark Ingram. They have Gus Edwards back for, you know, I think $660,000 next year, which is a bargain given how much that he he played last year, uh, as well as Lamar Jackson as not a running back, but as a mobile quarterback who, you know, put up over 1,200 yards last year. So Baltimore has a pretty solid stable now. I, drafting a guy in the first or second round kind of forces you to either put him in immediately or next year. And and realistically, I just don't think that's there. I think you have Gus Edwards or you can pick up some other guys, uh, you know, through free agency or the draft later on to where you don't need to go ahead and grab a guy early on. But a lot of what I'm seeing as far as explanation goes happens to be about the playoffs and, and the fact that Edwards and Ingram, you know, didn't play a whole lot. They didn't get a lot of snaps. Ingram being hurt, a lot of it just seems to be kind of reaching at that and going, look, that seemed to be their biggest hole last year. When Ingram went down, the offense stopped. Well, it's, it's a little reactionary than what Baltimore actually does. In reality, they'll probably pick like a weird tackle that no one sees happening or, or a defensive tackle or something. That's the reality. But running back, it would shock me if they grab one in the first round. I think that it would just be, a, not a waste of a pick. Obviously, the guy would be good, but I think that the Ravens could just go somewhere else, you know, and need an edge player, an inside linebacker, receiver. That would be a much better use for that first round pick. And something that also is something that should be talked about is Marshall Yonda's retirement or not lack thereof is going to have a pretty big impact on the Ravens' draft plans. And something that I've been kind of thinking about is if Marshall Yonda really takes his time with this, and I'm sure he won't actually do this, but if he, let's say he doesn't make a decision before the draft starts, how much will that impact the Ravens' draft plan and the Ravens' draft board? The, I think the the big question is Baltimore is probably doing their homework now on is there anyone that will day one replace Marshall Yonda? Is there any of those guys in the draft that are realistic for us to get? Like we're not moving up to, to the fifth pick to take a guard. That's just going to cost far too much. So is there a guy in the middle of the first round and below that can replace Marshall Yonda week one? Uh, if they haven't found that guy, then they're going to have to go with what they have on their roster, or they're going to have to kind of press him for an answer before free agency hits. So that way they can go, all right, look, Yonda isn't returning, or we know he's not returning, or we feel like he's not returning. We need to get his replacement in free agency again, if they feel like they don't have a guy already on the roster. But, you know, for what it is, Baltimore has done quite a lot over the last few years to try and stack the interior offensive line. Uh, they've drafted Ben Powers, who is a guy that you know I, I was very high on coming into this last draft. They've got Bradley Bozeman. They've got Patrick McCarry. They could potentially re-sign 
uh, Matt Skura, who's uh, a restricted free agent. They've got James Hurst, who we were talking about just a few minutes ago. They've got some answers to plug in immediately. But again, if there's a guy that in that first round from pick 15 or 16 on that they feel that it is a Marshall Yonder replacement, my guess is they would probably go after that guy if they feel that strongly about him. But as far as what it'll do in terms of their needs, my guess is, is they'll have a better idea of what's going on than maybe anyone else does, even if Yonder hasn't uh, said what his intentions are. Yeah, and another position where the Ravens might pick someone they might not is at the safety position. And they've invested some picks into safeties in the recent years. Now, not at the top of the draft, but guys like Deshaun Elliott and Chuck Clark have come to the Ravens by way of the draft in the later rounds. And the Ravens have Earl Thomas. They could potentially re-sign Anthony Levine. Tony Jefferson, still on the roster at the moment, could be cut. You have a lot of guys in pretty much are pretty deep at that position, but there have been some mock drafts out there where Grant Delpit has been selected. I even did a mock draft where Grant Delpit was selected. (laughs) How realistic is it that the Ravens would invest another draft pick into a position that they seem pretty deep at at the moment? Well, one of those mock drafts you probably saw was mine. Uh, I actually picked Grant Delpit in my my most recent mock draft. And I, I think the reality is, is Baltimore goes after the best player available. And we've seen them wait a few times, go after a player where we all scratch our head and go, what are you talking about? Why did they grab Marlon Humphrey in the first round? They're stacked at corner. That's insane. But then you look a little bit more at it, and especially at safety. I mean, you got Earl Thomas. How many more great years does he have left? Uh, that's a huge question mark. His salary is certainly going to be inflated in the next coming years. Uh, is Tony Jefferson returning? Is he not? Probably not in reality. So you're looking at Chuck Clark, who's a pending free agent next year. So grab on a safety in the first round, even if he sits all of 2020, you're going to be counting on him in 2021 to step up probably into a starting role. So that way you don't have to pay Chuck Clark a ton of money to come back. You can get rid of Earl Thomas uh, uh, potentially if his contract allows for it and, and free up some more cap space. It would be a smart move in my mind if you go after a safety in the first two rounds. Again, if a guy's there and if Del Pitt falls to him, I like everything that he brings to the table. I think he is the perfect type of a guy to sit that year one, learn a little bit, especially under Earl Thomas, especially under Chuck Clark, uh, especially with Marcus Peters at cornerback. You give him a chance to learn from some really crafty veterans. He's going to be a much better player by 2021 when he's probably going to start. Uh, and I think that might actually be the answer. So Del Pitt's kind of my my underrated pick, a guy that I could see Baltimore grabbing if he falls all the way to number 28. Uh, don't be shocked if that happens. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think Del Pitt would be an amazing player and amazing value at pick 28, someone who I think could slot in either next to Earl Thomas or eventually, you know, maybe the Earl Thomas replacement if they want to kind of, you know, make him into a jack-of-all-trades type safety. But we are going to go to our final break now. And when we come back, we're going to be getting into a bit of free agency talk. So stay tuned for that. And we will be right back. Welcome back to the final segment of this Locked on Ravens episode. Kevin Oshaker still here with Matthew Stevens. And we just got into the draft. But another area where the Ravens are going to do their due diligence and make sure they get people who fit needs is in free agency. And this is something I talked about on yesterday's show, Matthew. When you look at the potential cap casualties around the league, who do you think fits best with Baltimore considering they are cut? 
Well, you know, cap casualties around the league are always a tough one because, you know, while guys maybe make sense uh, to be cut, not every team decides to go ahead and do it. And we, we've seen Baltimore kind of do the same thing. You know, uh, you look at uh, even Tony Jefferson. I mean, th- he's certainly no lock to be cut this offseason. So I, I never really count on cap casualties until they actually get cut and they get entered into things. Um, but there are a ton of free agents out there that, that could be interesting to Baltimore, especially on the second uh, second wave of free agency after the draft, after guys kind of maybe get replaced and they're on that borderline. Uh, Baltimore tends to do most of their shopping kind of in that second tier of guys because they're a right value. They tend to maybe be a little bit older and you can get them for uh, a, a absolute steal in some cases. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And of course, you can never count on a guy getting cut. Someone who I identify, though, is Calais Campbell, someone who if the Jaguars do decide to move on, he's getting up there in age, still very productive. And so there's no necessarily guarantee that Jacksonville does part ways with him. But if he is cut, a very intriguing option to really plug into maybe Chris Warmley's role, a guy who can get to the quarterback and Eric DaCosta wants that pass rush that can hold the lead. And so when you talk about a Calais Campbell or somebody of that mold, do you think that Chris Warmley could potentially be replaced? Uh, I think so. I mean, I, they, they did bring in Jihad Ward last season. Uh, and, and while he didn't necessarily start every game, uh, he did play a, a large number of snaps, which kind of points to maybe Wormley not being the answer there long term. If Campbell is there, and, and again, especially if he's in that second tier of guys uh, after the draft, I, I, Baltimore should throw their hat into the ring there because he's probably going to be a lot cheaper. I mean, he's 33 years old. He'll be 34 in the 2020 season. Uh, but he's still pretty productive. I mean, he's coming off a six and a half sack season as a defensive end for Jacksonville. You know, I, I think that's certainly there. Actually, as I look at his stats, he hasn't been, been below five sacks in a single season since his rookie year in 2008. So the guy is definitely productive. You know, how much are you going to get out of him? Maybe another year or two. That might be a good option as a stopgap player for, for maybe a guy that you draft uh, this year or maybe next year. Hopefully that will be able to go ahead and show up. Uh, but the other big question is, again, how is how is he going to fit into Baltimore's scheme? And is Baltimore going to value that over maybe another team who runs kind of a 4-3 and can actually stick him as a pass-rushing defensive end? Campbell is, a, is an intriguing option, but I don't know if he can stand in order to be an outside linebacker. And as a defensive end for Baltimore, his primary job is going to be to set the edge uh, in, in the backside. Yeah, I think Campbell would be an absolutely wonderful fit in, in Baltimore's defensive scheme. And when you talk about, you know, the defensive scheme that they run, two guys who are very familiar with it, Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carr, two secondary players who have been absolutely amazing for Baltimore over their time with the team. And now let's say that Baltimore decides not to bring back Jimmy Smith and decides not to bring back Brandon Carr how much do you think that changes their blueprint in terms of maybe signing a veteran cornerback? Do you think the Ravens might shell out a bit more money than expected to bring in another veteran who could maybe rotate in like a Jimmy Smith like they had with their three cornerback rotation? Or do you, or do you think they're perfectly content having Anthony Averett there as kind of a guy to grow into that role? Well, I, I yeah, I mean, I think when you look at what Baltimore has on their roster, I mean, Tavon Young hopefully will be coming back uh, healthy this season after his neck injury and going on injured reserve. So you, you kind of have your starting spots there. 
After that, it's really just depth guys. It would not be shocking to me if, if they cut Brandon Carr, then they immediately offer him a contract to come back at a far better value. And it also wouldn't shock me a whole lot if Carr goes, yeah, it's cool. I'll, I'll do that. So they might kind of answer their own question with a guy they just cut. Uh, I think they're, they're very high on what Brandon Carr does, certainly since he floated around the defense in, in 2019, went to safety for a little bit, but also can play inside and outside cornerback. So he gives you that versatility that you don't need to have three extra guys. You can have Brandon Carr, who can kind of fill whatever role you need him to. Uh, that would ultimately be my answer. Um, as far as grabbing a, a, another cornerback or a different cornerback, my guess is probably not. I mean, cornerbacks uh, that you would trust in that role uh, are few and far between, and the guys that you would sign are not going to be cheap. Cornerbacks are, are in this pass-happy league are quickly becoming some of the highest-paid players in the league. So do, do they go out and grab another guy? Uh, maybe a low-end guy that it, it might not make the roster, but as far as a, a definitive backup, my guess is it's going to be Brandon Carr after they cut him. Yeah, Carr has so much versatility and was really moving all around the field for Baltimore. A guy who his production and his ability to really do a lot of things is really valuable for the Ravens just because of the scheme that they run. They can bring him down to the dime position. They can put him back and have him play the back end with safety. Then obviously outside corner, slot corner, he really does everything. So they really have four positions, three positions and one with Carr. So I agree with you, Matthew. It would not shock me if the Ravens go and bring back Carr because I don't think they pay him at his current price, but I think Carr does want to stick around in Baltimore. So I think that's an option for the team. But Matthew, that's all I have for you today. Again, once again, thank you for coming on the show. And next week, it's just going to be more offseason talk as we slowly build up to the start of free agency and the draft. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. It's always a blast doing these things. Uh, and yeah, I, it's this is the fun time of the year. We get to do so much speculation. It's so awesome kind of looking at guys and going, oh, man, wouldn't it be great if we grabbed this guy and this guy and this guy? That's the fun of the offseason, at least for me, uh, and trying to figure those things out. So always happy to be here. Always happy to go ahead and talk football. Thank you. And it's always right to be right once in a while, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'll let you know when that happens. <laughs> right. It, it's it's a rare one, but you know, us us as writers and analysts and whatever you want to call it, we get it right every once in a while. So uh, look out for our predictions and we'll get it right one time. So be sure to stay tuned for both our writing and the podcast to make sure you know it before it actually happens. But we're going to take a two day break. And when we get back, we're going to be getting into more Ravens football. So stay tuned for that. And I will see you on Monday.